Hi there and welcome to another episode of Connecting the Dots with me, Cassie Hubert. It is the podcast where we talk about all the little aspects of life that go together to create this beautiful, beautiful life we're living. Whether that's a random dive down a rabbit hole here or a realisation there. Those dots that we are connecting our lives with, despite the way they can feel, I really don't believe are actually as random as they seem. So for today's episode, I would like to talk about grieving well. Now I want to give a little bit of a trigger warning here because I want to be so sensitive to the fact that lots of people have struggled with all sorts of grief and trauma in their lives. And so I will be dealing a little bit with the grief of miscarriage and child loss. So if this is something that would just be too triggering for you, I want to be really mindful of that and just say, hey, feel free to switch off and pick another episode because you are more important than the content and if you're not in a place to hear it then you know please don't worry but that said I just want to share a little bit about my experience first and then talk about the nature of grieving well because I'm no expert on grief I don't think you can be even if you've dealt with a lot in your life but I think you can become more practiced at spotting the signs and getting better at listening and giving yourself the space you need now We, back in 2016, lost our daughter to a late miscarriage, which was really unexpected. It had come after a time of five months of being homeless and the whole experience of staying at people's houses, which was really generous of them. Doing that with three other kids in tow and being pregnant was really hard. And then moving into our house and finding out within a week that we'd lost our baby was a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal regardless. But I think the nature of grief will stop is that losing somebody is losing somebody. And innocuous all for six, actually. And what I have learned through that process is no matter what you do or did do or didn't do, there's often no rhyme or reason. And even if there are things that you think back and go, oh, if I did that differently, would it have made any difference? It's just not wildly helpful. Like it's useful sometimes to know if there was something, you know, like maybe don't go jumping out of a plane when pregnant possibly but I wasn't doing that and and even that I don't know maybe there are different levels of risk but what I will say is one of the first things I think to grieving well is while we really want to know the whys or maybe we're afraid to know the whys it's okay to ask but it's also okay to go even if I understood all the whys it still isn't necessarily going to well it's not going to change anything and Sometimes it's not helpful, so it's okay to let go of them and just be angry and hurt. And I think that's the first thing I really want to say is that everybody is different. Whether you've lost a family member, a friend, a lover, a spouse, a child, grieving is so personal. Each person will experience it differently and move through it differently. And there really is no one way to do it well. So this this isn't meant to be a misnomer of a podcast, but it's like there isn't one set plan. Much like this whole podcast talks about, I really don't believe there is one trajectory we're supposed to get on and follow the steps and then we reach the results. Because even when we do that, there's still so much room for variation and change of mind and, and different direction and new discovery. And so with grief, especially, there is no one way to process that and come out the other side, happy, whole and fully realized and therefore all is well because the love of a person stays with you the fact that you love them and you felt the pain is evidence of how much love you carry in your heart and even if you didn't know them very well like we didn't know our daughter 
I'd carried her. She hadn't moved much, but she'd moved a bit and I'd noticed. And then, you know, I still don't know why. I don't know why. Have a few suspicions, but nothing concrete. But yet, despite that, I'd carried her for nearly 20 weeks. And even though she died around 15 and a half, I loved her. And we got to birth her, which helped. And seeing her and burying her. And there is something about those acts of ritual that can really help. But it's really important to accept yourself because there is no one way to grieve. If you are feeling like you just want to cry all the time and it's been three months since the person you lost has died, that's okay. If you just fall about laughing at the funniest thing that is so ridiculous, it just tickles you. Maybe it's slapstick, something really unexpected and you just feel really blown away by this. Laugh. It's okay. You're allowed to. The fact that life goes on doesn't mean that we shouldn't put, take time to pause and honour what has happened. But at the same time, when we are caught up in life, that's okay. It's not bad. It's not somehow a lack of love for the person you say goodbye to. I think another thing that's really useful is to, and it, it requires quite a lot of decision, <laughs> to try to assume positive intent of people who aren't necessarily very helpful in the way they come around you. Some people are brilliant. A lot of people don't know what to say. A lot of people don't know how to connect with you or want to comfort you, find it a bit overwhelming themselves, are scared of getting drawn in, not even in a naff, selfish way, just it's hard. Nobody likes death. Nobody likes talking about loss and pain. It's difficult and it hurts. And it tends to bring up stuff in us if somebody else is going through something. And sometimes that makes us feel really uncomfortable because we're not able to deal with that or we don't have the language to deal with it or the tools to deal with it. But sometimes people can be really unhelpful. They can say things to you that are either unkind, unintentionally, or sometimes even seemingly intentionally. But I think assuming positive intent, even when it doesn't seem remotely positive what they're giving you, is helpful for you because it stops you turning around and wanting to punch them in the face, which I wouldn't recommend anyway, but it can hurt. It can really hurt if you're in pain and somebody basically tells you, well, it feels like you want to get stuck in your comfort zone and I sort of half expected that you would. And you're like, I've just lost a child or a person. What am I supposed to do? Sometimes people want to help you grieve, but they don't have the tools to understand how you grieve. And so they sort of want you to follow this path, this trajectory, this well, do it like this and then I can hug you. Like if you have a good cry, I can cuddle you. If you want to go for a walk, I can walk with you. If you are hungry, I can make you a meal. And all of these things are really good. But if you're not wanting to be around people and people want to be around you to love you, it's not your job to educate them how to help you grieve. It's their job to figure it out in that moment. But it is okay for you to just not want to engage. And sometimes it can be really tricky if people are being sort of like almost telling you off for grieving a particular way because it's not conducive to how they wanted to support you, which I have experienced a little bit of. And it's it's really painful and very tricky. And rather than basically assuming that they have no desire to be kind or are just stupid or any of the things that when you're feeling hugely raw, you just feel stunned by, it can be helpful to pause, you know, step away but just go in your head. They want to love me. They want to help. They're just a bit crap at it. And then still remove yourself from the situation. If that's helpful, still end the conversation. You don't have to grieve the way other people expect you to. But it's also really okay to recognise that sometimes people just don't know how to handle it. And that's so awkward and so rubbish and can cause pain in your relationship. But your job isn't to help them help you. You don't have the energy, especially in the first year or so. And nor should you. That's not your job. Your job is to be where you are and everybody else can figure it out. And if somebody is saying something unkind, 
it's okay to say, please, can we move on? Please don't say that. Let's stop talking about this. Or, I'm sorry, I need to go to the toilet. Take an opportunity to escape is always a very helpful option. The next thing I want to say is go very slowly. You know, grief comes in waves very often. It doesn't necessarily follow any obvious pattern. Yes, there will be certain things that trigger you. But there will be a whole bunch of things that you were not expecting to trigger you that somehow send you to the floor in floods of tears. It's okay that there is no pattern and it can be really difficult because I swear we want to feel like we are in control of our lives and ourselves and there is a certain amount of mastery we can grow in but we are not in control. We do not have the capacity to fully master ourselves in every aspect because we're not robots. We are human and we are so susceptible to huge amounts of external factors. Other people, the weather, our physical temperature, how much sleep we had, the actual pain of the grief the sudden panic of the future and how that's going to look. The practical needs to deal with funerals. You know, I was astounded when we had to bury our daughter. We went to one funeral um, directors and they had a reasonable reputation in the area we lived and we just lost a baby. And the person who sat my husband down and started chatting about it was really like, I don't think they even said, I'm so sorry for your loss. <laughs> you know, and in your job, it would seem like a good move to do that when somebody's grieving. It was only a couple of days after we'd lost her And then suddenly it was like they piled on all the money and then, well, this will cost this and this will cost extra. And we were like, okay, and we didn't have very much money. And suddenly it felt to me not like they were doing their job and, you know, things cost. That's okay. It's a business. That's totally fine. But it felt like they were piling on the hidden costs. Oh, that'll be a bit extra. And I suddenly felt completely taken advantage of in that moment. Now, that might just been my experience. It might have been a bad day. Who knows? But I was like, fine, I will build her the coffin myself and we will just dig a hole and bury her. You know, I got kind of aggressive and that's also okay. I didn't do this to them. I did it to my husband when he came home and I was like, no, I'm not paying all of that. But it was not even about the money, although it was because we genuinely didn't have much. But it was the sudden feeling of this overwhelming, ah. Anyway, we ended up moving funeral directors and those people were incredible. And they were like, for babies under 16, we don't charge you anything. We just charge you for the grave digger. And I was like, wow, um, that was unexpected. And thank you. And the first thing they said was, please come in, sit down, make me feel welcome. I'm so sorry for your loss. Suddenly all the practical details can feel massively overwhelming and make you feel suddenly panicky. And then that might make you burst into tears or it might make you really angry. And when you are feeling as raw as you are, anger is a really important emotion to process through. But usually at the root of anger is something more deep like pain or loss or fear. And so anger is like the next level up. So it's completely understandable that that bubbles up. But often it's because we just can't actually cope with the deeper pain at that moment that we just anger is the thing. And you know what? It's also really important to recognize that when you are in pain, it's okay to not look directly at it. It's okay to say no to things. If somebody wants you to do something and you just can't face it. Even if it feels really like innocuous and unscary, it's okay to say no. It's really okay to look after yourself. In fact, it's vital to look after yourself. And sometimes looking after yourself means going, please, will somebody feed me because I just can't do it for myself. It often means sleep, particularly in grief, it means sleep. I think self-care and looking after ourselves generally means a certain amount of sleep, usually more than we give ourselves permission to have. But I just noticed how tired I was after she died how exhausted I was, how I had no energy for anything. And I was just angry and upset and just 
And and in the beginning, it was kind of doing really well. And it helped that when she was delivered, I was able to have a really good screen cry. We started doing cocktails. My husband's now teetotal. But before then, we would a couple of times in the afternoon, we'd have like a three in the afternoon cocktail time. One thing I did a lot of, shower, get dressed. And then within about an hour, half an hour, I need to be in my pyjamas again. Comfort is so important. And understanding the physical need for comfort on your body is really important. We'd have lots of pyjama days. It was really brilliant because we, we home educate our kids. They were around and our eldest really struggled. And our younger two got it on a visceral level, but I don't know how much they took in cognitively, but they're not stupid. And so for all of us in our own ebbs and flows of grief, to be able to be home was a real gift. But comfort's really important. Watching or listening to story is so valuable. Too often I think we forget how powerful story is and I know I've mentioned this in Telling Stories to Ease Fear and Coco Farting Ghosts, which I will link to in the show notes, but actually story is something that can really help. I did a lot of going back into the Harry Potter series and I got them on Audible and I listened to them because that was just so comforting. Especially book five. I started at book five because I was building up my Audible collection. And actually, Harry's pain in that book and his angst and his frustration and his feeling of overwhelming was really resonant with me at that time. And I found it immensely comforting to listen to that and just go for walks and just not talk to anybody. And I think when you're grieving, there is a much wider margin between comfort and numbing. I think when we're grieving, like I said, the thing about the emotions below the anger, sometimes we just can't look directly at it. And so having the space to just dive into story, which helps us process on a different level, then something in the story might make us sad and we cry or we get angry or we just sit there in stillness. It's really valuable to allow yourself that time. If you need to watch a whole load of TV, binge watch several box sets, you know, go for it. The difference, I think, in this case between comfort and numbing is that when we refuse to listen to the nudges, like we want to cry and we push it down. We want to talk to somebody, but we hide. We are going out. We're doing something we feel should be perfectly doable. And yet we just don't want to do it. Letting ourselves off the hook and saying, no, we won't go. It's okay." That's really important part of self-care, even if it's like I was just seeing a friend to have a coffee and this is a friend I trust and I love them and they love me and it will be fun. Hmm, I don't want to go. It's okay to just, no, I'm just not going. Listen to your soft nose as well as your hard nose. Don't only wait till you're screaming at yourself to get your attention. If you're hearing a couple of times a little no, listen to it. You can always change your mind. Something else that's helpful is asking a friend who you really trust and who isn't rubbish at handling your grief or has shown that they are able to be present with you maybe rather than calling them because people often say call me if you need anything but maybe asking them to call you once a week or more often if that's what you need on a particular time that you've agreed or roughly and that you know they're going to call you and have a chat and listen and just be there for you actually asking them to call in with you would be another load off your mind of something else to do. Something that allows you to be present to your body will definitely help with the grieving process. It doesn't have to be a sport. It can just be walking. It can be dancing in your living room. It could be, if it so takes you and you've got a suitable place, just rolling down a hill that obviously you feel safe about. Because anchoring ourselves is really helpful. 
If you're feeling overwhelmed, whether it's somebody else or, your, or just your thoughts or just the emotion of the moment, obviously get to safety. If you're in the middle of driving down a motorway, then move aside and pull over somewhere safe. But don't ignore the nudges. Ground yourself. Put your feet, bare feet on the ground outside or in soft carpet. Have a bath. Run water over your wrists. Get your breath low and steady. All these things can really help. But the biggest thing about it is that, you know, time will get you through It'll take a lot longer than you anticipate, but don't ignore the nudges because if you want to cry and you're squashing it, that's only going to come up later in more obtrusive and possibly painful ways. But aside from, you know, safety factor, if you're suddenly feeling a need to go and eat loads of cake, then eat cake. It's not going to kill you. No one died from cake or at least not from eating cake regularly for a while. Your body will tell you when it's done with the sugar. You know, it will. You won't want any more. You'll have had enough. I heard this really amazing story about like a trauma memory of this woman who'd gone through a horrendous attack. And like two years later, she suddenly found her body and she hadn't clocked the date or several years later. In fact, she hadn't clocked the date. And she suddenly had this major desire for um, peach Lipton iced tea. And she was like, why am I doing this? I need this. I don't don't want any Lipton iced tea. What am I doing? And anyway, she ignored it. But then she suddenly remembered later how oh gosh, it's that date. And her body had remembered and her body had felt the need to go and have this drink because when they dealt with the aftermath of the attack in its immediacy in those first couple of days, that's something that they drunk all the time, her and the people involved. And her body remembered what she needed, remembered what would give her comfort, remembered what would help connect her with that moment because her body remembered the anniversary even though she didn't. We are quite amazing human beings with so much going on and it's really important to honour that. And so if you suddenly go, I just can't do this, it's okay. People will get over it. You can stop. You're allowed to go home. You're allowed to change plans. You're allowed to say, I'm sorry, I just can't come in. It might be a pain. It might cause some ramifications, but it's not life or death. It's okay to stop it. Because if you go anyway, you'll probably find it prolongs the process, but also you will feel worse for it. And that takes a lot of courage when it's something we feel very responsible for. But I think there is a lot of liberation to be found when we allow ourselves to be where we are. And I think the last thing I want to say more than anything else is just be gentle with yourself. Be kind. You've been through a lot. It's almost six years since we lost our daughter. And in the process, I've also lost a couple of other family members, one of whom I was really close to in the last year. And... And then there's other stuff in life. And I I have noticed that grief and trauma tends to be cumulative. And if you've gone through some, it's almost like it, it's not laws of attraction to the same degree, but just it's like seasons when you go through something and a couple of things and then a whole bunch of other things seem to come on top of it. And you might be able to recover from the one thing more quickly, but the cumulative effect of various griefs and traumas will take a lot longer. And I think giving yourself permission to take as long as it takes And the better we are at being present to where we are, the more help and progress I think we will find as we navigate whatever we're going through. So I really hope today's podcast has helped you a little bit because I don't know what you're going through and maybe you aren't specifically grieving right now or maybe you are still dealing with grief that happened a little while ago. I just want to say to you, I'm so sorry for your loss and for your pain and that you will come through this And that there is a way to come through it getting better rather than bitter. But so much of that seems to be by allowing yourself to lean in and be present to yourself and to your process and where you are. And also because this is an area that is really close to my heart, particularly with losing a baby, I noticed how 
I've seen some friends and family members also go through this and there are very few really suitable cards to send to people. There's some grief cards and they're great, but something that's specific to this and just the grief or the anniversary marking of this kind of a loss. I have actually made some cards which are available to buy or to send to somebody. So if that's something you're interested in, the link is in the show notes, but hop on over to my website, cassiehubert.com. Then that might be something that really serves you. Otherwise, all the links will be in the show notes and just sending you lots of love and wishing you a really great week. Be gentle with yourself. You will come through this. God bless.